McNulty stunning for anyone to get up off Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts no, for Bobby. are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, short yes. for Bobby. Smashes it past McCormack. Won by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bobby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe, nonchalant, fantastic, brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce, proud to be Pompey. Hi Bobby fans and welcome to PO4 Cast episode 46. Well I was off last week that struck down by a case of the man flu so I wasn't able to record so cheers for sticking with us people and cheers for sticking with us Sam, our guest this week. Um, Sam, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, pleasure to be here. No, it's, I really appreciate being on the podcast Sam, local journalist and it's really going to be really interesting to get your point of view on what's going on in what could be seen as a pretty troubled time, to be honest, at Fratton Park? Yeah, um, I can see why people generally are concerned. The results aren't going, you know, as planned. But when you look at Jackett's record, he's one of the most successful managers in more recent times. Um, obviously, looking at the league form, uh, it's not the best. But as we know, we're League One. It's one of those leagues, really, where there's a lot of inconsistency. There's always going to be that. You can have teams up the top winning, following week losing the teams in the bottom doing similar. Um, it's one of them. Pompey could go on a five-win um, game run. I know people aren't feeling optimistic about that, but potentially uh, we could go on one after the Bolton game as a clean sheet in that game as well. I know we'll review that later, just touching base on that for now. But there's potential there for that. As much as people don't believe that, there is an opportunity for that. And the league is still wide open. All I feel is obviously where the Cups have sort of taken over. Um, It's having the legs and obviously the depth to withstand, you know, a couple or, you know, up to three competitions there. Um, So in a way with the Carabao Cup, now that's over, it's a chance to focus back on the league. Yeah, cups can be a little bit distracting. So let's give everyone a little bit of structure. So what we're going to do is we're going to quickly touch on the scum defeat um, first because we're off last week. Uh, Following that, we're going to review the Bolton game. Uh, Then we're going to go into answer some of your questions and, you know, look at who should be starting at the back. I ran a poll and cheers again for everyone who's commented and voted on that. And then we're going to preview the game against Donny. Now, Sam... The scum again, we'll quickly touch on this because, you know, it's a little bit yesterday's news as such, isn't it? As time flies in football, but it wasn't a great result, but it was a good performance. Um, It was a promising one. There were bursts of positivity from Pompey and, you know, similarly, if they'd have used that in um, some of the league games, then I think uh, that Pompey could have withstanded some of those results a little bit better. Um, you know, you could say with Mark, he said he had taken that chance. It could have been a different story. Potentially, it could have been. Plenty of fans there singing in a full capacity, as we saw it as a sellout. Fratton Favour was always on outstanding form. 
there's never a game really when you don't see that. But I think the fans were more up for that. Obviously, it is a local derby and it's the worst, the first one for uh, several years. Um, and, you know, as we're saying with the performance there, there were short bursts there that were great. Plenty of positivity going forward. But it's just taking your chances, Hugh, at the end of the day. If you don't take chances, you don't win games. And sadly, that night, uh, Pompey didn't come away with the win. But you have to remember now, and fans have to remember this, on paper, it's a Premier League team. They're not one of the best Premier League teams. We can understand that, and that's not being biased. They are, you know, down there, and they have been down there for quite some time, ever since Pochettino left there. But they're playing against a League One team. There's two divisions apart. All day long, they should have won that game. Um, I think, you know, the scoreline flattered them a little bit because I don't think they played greatly. Um, but as I say, Marquis said of taking that chance, it could have been a closer game. It could have even gone to penalties. Now there's no extra time. And I think, you know, being a bit optimistic about that, if Pompey continue to use that as an opportunity to springboard results and realise where they went wrong, Jacket sticks with his current plan and stops changing things too often. There's an opportunity Pompey can get towards those uh, those playoffs again. Yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it? We'll talk about how Jacket's been fiddling around with the squad because I think even he's realised that he's it's not settling at the moment, is it? And whilst there were some changes that should be made, I think he's been maybe making some questionable changes um, to the squad at the moment. Um, when, when we're looking at the Southampton game, people were sort of thinking, you know, Ollie Hawkins at centre-back. He was immense, wasn't he, before coming off? Yeah, it's a shame, really, because he's coming in some good form. Um, him and Burgess as well. We've seen Kenny Jacket after most games, especially the Wiccan game, um, talking about his admiration for the two. And, you know, sometimes, especially Burgess, gets a lot of criticism. It seemed just as they were starting to gel, they were pulled apart with Hawkins going off. And it's a shame to see because, you know, Pompey needs to strengthen up at the back at times going forward. Fantastic, as we see with Pittman an absolutely prolific goal scorer, but at the back is the issue. And with Hawkins missing now, it's one of them, isn't it? Back to the uh, the drawing board, so to speak. Yeah, massively. And I think there was a lot of positivity from the fans after that result, even though, as we said, you know, it wasn't the result we we're looking for. But I think the fans thought if we played exactly like, you know, in the first 20 minutes, especially of that game against a League One opposition, and especially a poor opposition like Bolton um, were, that we'd come out, you know, with a a bit of a haul of goals even, really. So, you know, I think Bolton really could have conceded four or five in each of their um, away games, for instance. They've only scored two goals all season. I think Pompey fans thought, you know, let's take that energy, let's take that positivity and let's roll it into the Bolton game and let's see if we can, you know, really kickstart our campaign. That wasn't quite what happened, was it, Sam? No, not at all. And it's great that we can all be optimistic. I absolutely admire when fans get excited about that because it's what the beautiful game's about, Hugh. Growing up, you know, it's all about those times when, you know, Berger was there, Stone was there, Luar Luar was there. I could probably list all the names and we'll be here all night. <laughs> but we don't want that um, as much as I might like that. But, you know, it's one of them at the end of the day, going back to the Bolton game before I get carried away. Once I get talking, I don't stop. So uh, <laughs> That's why you're on the podcast, Sam. 
Yeah. <laughs> it might be the longest podcast in history. <laughs> wow. Well, I don't know if you can beat James Robbins and um, Loire Loire and David Norris was about an hour and 40 minutes, I think, last time. <laughs> well, it's for school, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, precisely. Yeah, no, going back to the Bolton game, it's it's good to see the optimism. I think everyone was hoping that could potentially happen to you. But with the new manager at Bolton, it's one of them, isn't it? It's a new manager potential hiccup. They're a bogey team, Bolton. They're not the best on the road, as you said there yourself. The stats don't lie. Um, and it's just one of them. At the end of the day, if Pompey create more chances, there's more opportunity for them to, um, you know, get more goals but this season has been a little dry and you know last season wasn't a lot of different I was at the Sunderland game um for that playoff game just back in May and it was one of mm. them and every time I watch Bumpy it's no different it's like what are you doing just why why are you not looking up and passing the ball why are you just hoofing it wherever take your time pass the ball about just get to grips with it don't just give the ball away at any given opportunity think what you're doing I think the confidence isn't there I don't know what's going on behind the scenes nobody does obviously what the manager's seeing and what the owner's seeing and everyone else behind the scenes is another story and it's not for me or anyone else to speculate on there's so many different elements which can cause you know, certain things not to go your way. And, you know, it's disappointing as it was. It was good to see Pittman get the winner. Shame he missed the penalty because there, you know, I could say there was a lot of pressure on him, um, especially where he hadn't started many games this season. I think he had a point to prove to the manager. And every time he's had that opportunity, he's done that. Um, And the penalty wasn't the best, but the header, you know, fantastic to get all three points, really. Just going to pick up on that because... When it comes to Brett Pittman, I'll be honest, I thought in that game he was pretty ineffective throughout the game. Um, he, he he looked lost in number 10 during the first half when we played the 4-2-3-1 formation. Um, he, he gave the ball away a lot. Um, he had a lot of touches that didn't go to to our own players. And I would have been quite happy, actually, to see him come off um, off the field, you know, for someone like Andy Cannon, maybe, to help us press higher up the pitch win the ball and really get out Bolton. And you saw a little bit more of that when you saw Marcus Harness come on, which we'll, we'll get onto. But do you, do you think Brett Pittman should be starting every week, Sam? Because I've got doubts that he fits into the sort of the formation that we play at the system that we play. And I do have concerns that he's slowing our play up further up the field. I hear what you're saying. At the end of the day, I'm not the manager. Um, but having, having said that, he's an effective player. You know, his stats don't lie. He's scoring goals for fun. Yes, he's given the ball away in certain games. I think maybe, you know, his head's swaying a little bit. We've seen that after games in interviews. He's not always been, you know, the happiest uh, bunny, um, especially being left out. He's getting on in age. So, of course, he's going to want to play every single game. Do I think he should be playing in every game? I still stand by that. He's one of the most prolific players currently in the team for the goals that he's scoring. Yes, he's not the best passer of the ball. Um, but, you know, if you're going to want to go and win games, Pittman has to be in that team lineup. I mean, for me, I feel like he's he's got that scoring instinct and he showed that with the header um, against Bolton. But for me, he's a player that I feel that can add an impact off the bench. But 
playing 90 minutes, he, he looks a little bit dead on his legs out there. And just for me, if we're going to play the formation, which I think we look best in, which we moved into in the second half, and we played a, a proper 4-3-3 formation um, with the three up front, I can't see him displacing Marquez up the front, down the middle. And if you're playing Marcus Harness on the right, I can't see him playing that position on the left-hand side. No, I hear what you're saying as well. And Gareth Evans deserves a chance. He can potentially fill that um, Pittman role there. Um, you know, he's not one of the quickest players, but he's very creative. And it'd be good to see Gareth get a few more opportunities in the team lineup. But I think also where there's the lack of depth, sometimes you look at the um, the substitutes bench and you think, can any of those players make an impact? And you have to sometimes wonder, potentially not, potentially they could. Um, because on any given day, anything can happen. Um, but, you know, having said that, come January when the windows open, if Kenny Jacket has funds available and he can sign somebody else that, you know, can be prolific, then maybe it'll give Pittman that opportunity just to rest a bit. Because as I say, he's over 30 now. Um, he's no spring chicken. He's got a great career. I've got total respect for Pittman. And, um, you know, it probably comes across that way. But, you know, for the time being, he has to be in that lineup. I, I don't say he should play 90 minutes, no, but there, there just has to be that opportunity for somebody else to come in and potentially do a better job and prove that they can do that. Then Pittman can, you know, play here and there, not be dropped, but, you know, potentially start a game, go off in the 60th minute, be subbed or come on in the 60th minute, vice versa. I think it's just a little bit of rotation needed um, if there's a little bit more competition for places. And it's just everyone needs to prove their worth at the end of the day. Nobody's bigger than the club. No, I agree. And it's all about that, you know, it depends how much it's affected him. And you could say from the performance, maybe it has affected him with the with the, you know, the captaincy issues. And some people will argue getting the goal and bouncing back from that shows that it's not been a problem. And we we're talking to David Norris a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. And he said that, you know, removing someone, you know, mid season with a captaincy could potentially be quite a toxic move to make. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think David Norris is um, right on that. Really. Um, if you've trusted somebody to be your captain for however long, um, something, possibly must have happened in the camp for him just to say, look, you're no longer my captain. Um, again, like I say, I can't speculate on that because I don't know the facts behind it. Um, but in regards to that, it does set a mentality to say, I don't trust your leadership. I don't trust um, your qualities as a captain. I've got a better candidate here. So I'm now taking it from you and giving it to them. Not putting words in anybody's mouth, but that's what that says to me. And it says that to anybody that would be watching, you know, Pompey Football Club to say, yeah, look, of course. captaincy. And, you know, as I say, where he's been dropped again, he's not really been a full on captain, has he? Where he's not always been included. Um, but it's enough to, you know, shake, well, I say shake the mould completely cause disruption really because as I say with a leadership there's someone there that's always there leading the pack and to then take them away is just yeah everyone looks up and think who's next I mean going back to the Bolton game from that I'm I mean the eye test from me I looked at that first half and I thought it's awful it was an awful half of football um you know it was we didn't create hardly any chances and Generally, if there was if the team we're playing against wasn't Bolton and 
you know, it wasn't even an adequate finishing team. I think we would have been sort of two, three nil down by half time. Um, some of the opportunities they got put into the box, you know, headers. Um, one of them came across for what was made, need, could have been a tap in, but, you know, it seemed to skip over his foot. And I, I thought I'd look at the XG stats and see if it was just my eye test or whether it was something that, you know, actually, you know, was a trend, I suppose, in the game. And, when you're looking at the at the XG stats, Pompey didn't create one chance that was actually above, you know, a 0.2 or something of a goal, which is absolutely woeful. Um, you know, whilst bolted and trended all the way up to the goal that, that Pompey scored, um, well, the penalty, sorry, they were creating more chances than us throughout the game. And I actually thought they could go on and win it. What did you think? Yeah, touching on what you said there, potentially Bolton had the chances. They were going forward and, you know, creating chances and coming close. But the penalty killed off the game, really. It killed off any hope for them. Yes, Pittman missed, but, you know, following on from that, he got the winning goal. Um, it's enough to destroy any team's confidence, especially away on the road at a hostile environment like um, Fratton Park. It's a tough place to go to for any club. Um, and I saw a blog the other day and, you know, fans were saying that it's even a hostile place for the home fans at the moment just because people are sort of divided, aren't they, with um, the selection and just with the times. But, you know, we go back 20, 30 years ago, Pompey have always been a club, you know, down in those lower leagues and that's no disrespect at all. Um, and they've not always played the best football back in the days. Um, and I think people were still sort of in that mentality of being a Premier League team. Um, there's no, you know, nothing to say that in the future Pompey can't get back there. They definitely can. I think any team can on the day, um, proving obviously they have the right team, the right players. But people have to just be a little bit more realistic and, you know, assess what's going on. And, you know, this is the players. You have to support every single player. As a football fan myself, you know, I'm not going to turn on any player. I can sort of say, look, you need to perform a little better um, and, you know, show that you care. Because obviously Curtis, we won't go into that too much just yet, but with a tweet especially, it was a little bit um, poorly timed. And I think social media has a, a big part to play in players getting transfers elsewhere or causing unrest. Um, it's one of them really. And, you know, Pompey, need to take their chances as we've said many a times um you saying there about if it had been a smaller club i'd been to the crawley game in pre-season and the crawley game in the um i was going to call it the johnston paint trophy and it shows how much of a dinosaur i am the uh <laughs> what's it called the leasing.com trophy there you are. there's it's been so many different names no the no one cares what it's called trophy yeah, yeah, the, the EFL trophy, let's call it that, because I don't like all this sponsorship in modern football. Um, it's all the, the money, isn't it, nowadays? But, you know, when I was in those games, it wasn't the most flattering. And, you know, Crawley didn't really do too much. But you'd expect back in the day Pompey to go and smash a team like that 6-0, no disrespect to Crawley. But it was just a very subtle, gentle game where I think Pompey had given the opposition too much respect. And... You know, Pompey are one of those clubs that are admired by many people for being um, a gentleman of the sport. And yes, fans, like one or two fans, we're talking minority here. We're not talking majority. We're talking one or two fans out of 20,000 every week that have let the club down by punching a horse or something idiotic like that. But at the end of the day, it's a well-supported club. And, you know, people just have to look at the times and realise that 
it's a project. It is a project. And, you know, as we've said before, and we'll say again, with Harness out previously, that proved fairly costly because there's not a lot of, um, you know, talented players. Or I shouldn't really say that because some of them players could be talented, haven't been given the chance like we saw in the Norwich game. But it's just players need to step up a bit and, you know, go forward and hopefully play a little bit better. So that's an interesting point of view. I, I actually have take the opinion that I think we've got the talented players. I think that this squad is actually better than it was last season, man for man. Um, obviously, it's a blow losing losing Matt Clark and uh, Jamal Lowe. But, you know, I think Marcus Harness is a, is a better replacement for Jamal Lowe on the right. Um, and, and, you know, generally his his awareness on the ball is, is far superior to Jamal's. I mean, we'll see how his, his finishing is, but it looks good so far. And if he's given more chances, I think he'll take them. When you look at, you know, Matt Clark, obviously, you know, world-class centre-back, you could argue go well, world-class to be maybe, but absolute class in this league. You don't need a centre-back that good to be able to get promoted in League One. And I think we've generally strengthened. I think my problem at the moment is is the fact that the manager doesn't seem to know what he's doing. And it's not a it's not a short-term thing. It's not like a the fans have to wait and we should be patient for it because this has been going on a long time, as you said, into last season and back into this season. And, you know, I've tried to be very patient, but I don't think that fans should be patient necessarily for as long as it takes when at the moment we're looking like our promotion um, hopes, which, let's be honest, we should be looking to get promoted this season in, you know, automatically all through the playoffs you know, they're in huge doubt at the moment, aren't they? And, you know, when I'm looking at results on my phone now, I'm not thinking about how Peterborough are doing or Ipswich. I'm actually looking at the teams down the bottom and see if we can climb out of the mess we're in. Yeah, you raise interesting points there. Obviously, Ipswich, a club that everybody knows will get promoted again because they've only just come down. Um, promotion hopes not looking uh, the best at the moment. Um, but... It's it's one of them at the end of the day. Um, as I said to you before we went live, who else could come in and do a better job? Um, it's one of them, isn't it? They're, you know, Chris Hewton is a manager I'd love to see at Pompey one day. He's a fantastic manager. I know my time with Brighton and Hove Albion. What about, what about Nathan Jones has been muted out there? Because he's basically getting sacked from Stoke, isn't he? Depending on when people are listening to this. Um, this is now Wednesday night, nine thirteen. I don't believe he's gone yet, but he's actually admitted that he thinks he's going. Would you want Nathan Jones to come in? It's a risk again because you want somebody with experience down in League One. Kenny Jacket's been there with Mill. He's been there with Wolves and always got them promoted. He was there with Swansea as well. It's it's one of them. Um, I don't know enough about Nathan Jones to say whether he'd be the right man or the wrong man, but somebody of experience and yeah things are looking a little stale I can understand the uh, the fans frustration and concern and from watching the games myself and being at some of the games myself um, I can see why there seems to be no plan B at the moment um, uh, and I understand people say Kenny doesn't always show the most passion it's, it's just how people's personalities differ um, you know, you could say go and get Paulo De Canio as manager. He'll run up and down the touchline as many times as you want, but he won't get you the results. It's it's one of them. I think fans just need to stick with um, the manager. Um, but having said that, if you're looking at like a product in a shop and it's not delivering, you go and get a refund, don't you? So um, 
Yeah, it's a tough one. I wouldn't really like to say about somebody's job at the end of the day because at the end of the day, we look at people as normal human beings. That's somebody's job. He's got a family to pay for. Um, but the fans as well are paying customers. And, you know, if they're not happy, they will voice their concerns. And it was something that happened a little bit during the... Were you at the Bolton game, Sam? Because it was... It was... Um, it was pretty toxic, the atmosphere, I felt. And, you know, obviously it contrasts to the absolute, you know, euphoria of the start of against against the scummers and stuff. But, you know, this sort of led as well, you know, Ronan Kurtz getting booed off. There was a, there was a ripple of jacket out chance from the, from the uh, fratten end. And, you know, that happened earlier on as well um, at Wickham in the away game. Nothing is nothing like that though. Nothing that bad. And I think that once the players put a shift in in the second half, um, and once we had the goal and there was some some hope as such, um, a lot of that negativity, you know, stopped as such. But at the same time, it, you know, the fans don't seem to be as a whole. And I can't speak for everyone, but it doesn't seem to be that you know that get up and go to go to the games and people aren't really sort of you know enthralled by what's going on the pitch. So. Hopefully, we can. Uh, we'll talk about the Doncaster preview a bit later on. But you know, we've got to start getting some results together, haven't we? Of course, yeah. it's just getting that winning um, momentum, really, um, Hugh, and getting the ball rolling. And we've chosen many of games to say, look, here's a chance for Pompey um, to get started with their season. We were hoping that with the Southampton game, um, obviously not the the best result as we touched on earlier. Uh, the Bolton game, potentially, there's still potential to go forward and, you know, get another win. Um, but no, I can understand why people would be frustrated and why they wouldn't be so motivated to go. But I admire people that are travelling on the road um, as much as those that go to the home games. Because at the end of the day, when I've looked at fans' tweets, they're completely right. It's Pompey at the end of the day, no matter when draw or lose, you stand by your team. And, you know, I take my hat off to them people, especially those that were getting up at two in the morning to go up to the stadium of light and you know you're not getting back till the following morning it's a very long day very long trip um and that really is what makes pompey football club it's a great community um football club in the city and people chip in and out no matter what the results are but you do get people um similarly to what we're saying there that um are slightly um annoyed with what's going on and you know it's it's one of them at the end of the day teams or clubs don't always listen to the fans of such because either they can't hear what the fans are saying or they don't see it so often or at the end of the day they are the decision makers they have fully trust um of what's going on in the club and they see what's going on behind the scenes so again i can't fully comment on you know what's right or wrong when i'm not behind the scenes at the football club to see what's going on so it's one of them. You have to stand by the club's judgment. Sure. I'll throw some positivity out there into the mix because, you know, Pompey obviously at the moment, you know, aren't doing that well in the table. We're 19th currently. Obviously, we have a couple of games in hand. So nine points in theory, if we did win those games, um, we'd be looking at 15 points, um, which would take us up you know, a fair amount, you know, into mid-table, into 10th in the league. If you look at the expected goals um, for and against and you chart them, this is done by uh, Ben Mayhew at, um, at Experimental um, 361. Check him out on Twitter. He um, basically monitors the the table by expected goals for and against every week and updates it. Um, ben was basically saying that Pompey on you know expected goals and against currently sit in 11th place in the league and that 
you know, so there's quite a few of these games that I'm guessing that we've been ahead on, ahead in, etc. And it's just those individual lapses in concentration that have caused us points so far this season. Yeah, um, I didn't quite get the full question. Sorry, can you just repeat that last bit for me? Yeah, I just wanted to say that, you know, Pompey by expected goals measures, so, you know, what we should have scored in theory and what we you know, shouldn't have conceded um, are actually 11th in the league. So, if, you know, on the law of averages, statistically, um, we, we should be 11th according to um, XG stats. Um, do you think that we've been unlucky as such or do you think it's just been, you know, we can cut out a few individual errors and, and you know, it will balance out and Pompey will climb a table? Or do you think there's a, something else we should be worrying about, really? I think it's just, you know, I can say waiting for the team to gel. Some of the team's pretty much the same as it has been the past year or two with a couple of new faces here and there. But, the players have to look like they're communicating. They have to look like they're one solid unit. And, you know, the Southampton game and, you know, other games that I've been to, they don't always look like that unit that they communicate effectively. Um, as cliche as it sounds, a game is played on grass, not on statistics. And it's great. If Pompey were in 11th, we wouldn't be having this discussion. Um, we'd be having a more positive one rather than looking at a few results that have gone wrong here and there. Um at any time, teams can get luck. Who would have thought Wigan would go on and win the FA Cup several years ago? It's one of them. It can happen in any way, shape or form. Um, yeah, the results haven't been the best as we we keep on saying. We could be here to the cows come home saying that. But it's one of them. Law of averages, you know, statistics are there for a reason. You go by them, but you also go with realism, which is where Pompey currently are in 19th. I think, you know... It hasn't helped as well with um, the Victorious Festival and many other reasons, such as players getting call-ups for um, games getting postponed. That doesn't always help, um, especially when you know you just want to get back on that pitch and have the opportunity to show everyone what you can do, um, rather than having a week or two off. I think, in a way, you shoot yourself in the foot postponing the games because towards the end of the season, if that's when they're all organised for there's just going to be so many games coming up and it's going to be fixture congestion um, galore and if there's a couple of injuries which Touchwood won't happen it's one of them it could potentially ruin that um, playoff dream yeah and talking about the um, international call-ups obviously we've seen Ross McCrory be called up for Scotland along with Craig McGivory and Ronan Curtis got the call-up for Ireland do you think we should, it's been talked about that the Gilliam game uh, might get postponed? What do you think of that? Should we just get on with it? Because obviously we, think, could, we could play Bass in goal. Um, yeah. I, I think we should just get on with the game. I personally think so too. McGee deserves an opportunity. He should have played the other night um, against Hampton Waterloo Reserves, but sadly it got postponed. Um, Luke McGee's a great lad so is Alex Bass um, when I used to cover the academy team several years ago um, Bass was a goalkeeper of promise and he still is and you know I stand by a lot of those academy players we've seen Watmore come through we've seen Chaplin still a little bit sore about Chaplin going because he's a terrific talent that you know really should still be at the club um, he's a great impact player and a great starter but going back to Bass going back to the Norwich game Hugh we saw yeah. many players get that opportunity, such as Maloney as well, um, come through. And when they had that opportunity in front of their home fans, yes, it wasn't a sellout crowd because of EFL regulations. Had that been a sellout crowd, those players would have been on, you know, above cloud nine. They'd have been on cloud 10 because I think they're already on cloud nine. Um, 
that afternoon beating Norwich under 21s. Um, with all due respect, um, it should have been a win anyway against an under 21 side. Um, but no, players deserve that opportunity. You can't always experiment too much, especially when you're 19th in the table, because it's it's tricky, really. You think, if I try this, maybe it's going to go wrong. But sometimes you think, why don't I just try it? You know, all you can do is try at the end of the day. And if players want to come in from the academy, they've got a point to prove. They're going to play their hearts out. Look at Daniel James at the moment at uh, Man United. Playing yeah. like like Rashford or, you know, and co that already settled in on high wages and don't feel they need to prove anything. Let some of them youngsters have a turn and, you know, crack on with the Gillingham game because it's another game that will just pile up and it's not necessary. No, and I think Maloney's a great example of someone who, you know, I think Kenny Jacket came out and said that he doesn't want to send him out on loan. Um, you know, you've got guys like Brad Lethbridge um, down at, at Bogner. Um, Casey's out at um, having Waterlooville, isn't he? Um, and then you think that Maloney, he's got that, he's got that direct pace and the crossing ability that maybe we're missing a little bit from that left-hand side. And I think he'd fit well into a system with Marcus in the centre, uh, with Harness on one side and Maloney on the other. Yeah, um, you know, there's the opportunity for that to happen, and you know. But depending on whether that game gets called off or not, it would be good to see Leon Maloney get that opportunity. Um, he played well against Norwich under-21s, as we said, and I think he made a good point with his crossing abilities. Um, you need someone then in the middle that is a good header of the ball because it's all well having somebody that can cross the ball in. Pittman's a good header. be good to see Marquise given you know, the ball a little bit more. I think that's why Marquise is an playing potentially at its best because there's not a waste of the service there um, but it's one of them once the service is fully there and everything's you know the cohesion's there and everything's falling into place then you know that can possibly work and I think Leon Maloney proved in that under 21s game um, against Norwich under 21s that you know he's somebody that isn't to be messed with and you know yes it was only against you know kids as we could say but Given the day, we've seen Chaplin come through um, in the lower divisions. We've seen Watmore do it as well. Why not give those kids a chance? No, definitely. And even if he gets a, a start or maybe even just some, some minutes near the end from the bench as such as an impact player, I think we'll see, you know, as I mean, I wrote in the, in the news for the gaffer for the day before the Bolton game that Ronan Curtis should be, you know, dropped from the game, just given that time off. He's, you know, his form isn't good. He's one of those players who thrives on that form, but also it's the it's the downfall of him when he isn't playing well, isn't it? And you know, I think Kenny Jackett made that mistake by playing Ronan Curtis, but that has opened a spot up on that side. I'd like to see Williams given a, a chance to play on that other wing. I think his running's a bit more direct. Yeah. He doesn't give give the ball away as much as Ronan has been recently, anyway. Um, and then obviously we're talking about getting John Marquis back going, and the return of Marcus Harness for me. He is the playmaker as well as, you know, the guy who can dribble and score goals that John Marcus really needs because he seems to be the one player that really spots John Marcus's movement and play the right ball through to him, which he needs to thrive. Yeah, he, again, as you say there, and I, I completely agree in uh, regards to Marcus Harness there, he's been missed. He's been massively missed. And I think given the chance against Southampton, you know, he would have been absolutely sensational that night. And he's proven this season what a good talent he is. Him and Williams on the wing could potentially work with Curtis being used as an impact sub. 
then following a game, if there's a game three or four days later, rotate that and go back to Curtis on the wing. It's one of them. Um, Harness, again, is, he's got good attention to detail. He's always looking up, watching what every player's doing. And that's what I like to see because there's been players in the past. I think John Mutakil was one of them. When I watched him against Tranmere, I thought, what's he doing? He's got the ball and just moved it up there at his own player. And I thought, come on, man, you've got to literally, you know, look what you're doing and get it up there and, you know, have every opportunity um, to try and get your team to win. That's the whole point of football. You want to win games. You don't always do it for the taking part. And, you know, Harness again and Williams could be a deadly pairing um, with Marquise and hopefully Pittman included in that lineup as well. Um, ben Close, another great talent, as we've seen with some of his uh, wonder goals, another bright talent, a kid that got a chance. So, yeah, th- there are positives. And I like it when we talk about the positives, because as much as there's doom and gloom, there's positive in it as well. And eventually it all comes good anyway. There's always a light at the end of the tunnel. Well, that's the thing. And I think that, you know, we saw against Bolton that Marcus Harness's introduction, really, he was the, the player that they just backed off. And, you know, he beat them, he won corners. I think, do you remember that corner? They played short near the end. And um, they thought Marcus Harness was going to take it into, into the corner and play time down. But instead he played like their cheeky nuts and then, you know, ran through uh, the players who came short and really created another opportunity that could have could have got a goal for us, really. When he, I think he, he tried to play it across, didn't he? I know Marcus was screaming for the ball, but I can't remember who he played it across to instead. But it got cut out, didn't it? But, you know, I think Marcus Harness is one of those players we've missed. I think he's going to add a lot back in the team. You've only got to see the difference at Blackpool, for instance, when he came off from when he was on the pitch. He was dominating it before he got injured. Um, and you can say that some of our form from that um, has suffered from Marcus Harness not being in the team. But... Obviously, we're not a one-man team, but it's it's good to have Marcus back in, into the side. Um, going back to the defence now, we put out a poll on Twitter just saying, you know, who should be partnering Burgess at the back at the moment? You know, who should be your defence's partnership? Because Kenny Jacket came out and said that he wants some continuity at the back. Obviously, after the, you know, a clean sheet against Bolton, which you could argue isn't a massive achievement because they've only scored two goals all season. Um you know, Sean Raggett played at the back with Burge. What did you think of um, of Sean Raggett at the back? Do you, I mean, he clattered uh, Tom Naylor, didn't he, after about four minutes? But apart from that, what did you think of his performance against Bolton? As I say, I wasn't at the game. I've seen the highlights of the game, so I haven't seen too much of um, Sean Raggett. But from listening to what the fans had to say after the game and, you know, hearing what the manager had to say as well, there's not a lot of solutions out there at the moment. Um, And, you know, Burgess at times can be a very strong player and it's it's somebody, him and Raggett, can play fairly well together, hopefully, going forward. But it's, it's one of them I didn't see too much of him, if I'm completely honest, against Bolton. Yeah, so I think... I mean, I put the poll out there. Um, cheers to everyone again for voting in it. I've always appreciated you guys. Um, and 47% of people said Raggett and Burgess. Obviously, Hawkins isn't fit, so that's the reason why I wasn't in the poll. Downing and Burgess got 37% in second place. Naylor and Burgess, 7%. Obviously, people want Tom to be in midfield. Other name below. Um, yeah, Callum messaged him to say Hawkins and Burgess when he's back. I actually agree with you, Callum. I think... Hawkins is, is obviously preferred with Berger and he's back as well. Um, 
tattooed Mike, uh, messaged in, cheers Mike, and he said, why Ragger? He's another club's player. Would rather settle one of our own players into that position. Do you think it matters if we're playing a lone player at the back there? Or do you want to see one of our our own you know, defenders, say even Downing, who signed, I think it was a three-year contract. Would you rather he got the nod for that reason? It's a good point that he's made there. It really is, because we've seen players come and go just when things are going right, a player goes. Um, but I like to go with ability. If um, somebody's playing well and they're one of the preferred choices, they play. Um, and, you know... If, however, when they do leave, somebody else comes in and steps up to take that opportunity, fantastic. But one for me, when Watmore's back, Watmore has to be back into that team with Burgess. He's a fantastic talent. He's shown that many and many of times. Um, And he'll provide competition for Hawkins as well. Well, I think if Jack Watmore is fit, he's probably the best defender we have, isn't he? So... But I don't, I don't have a timescale on on when Jack will be back. I think it was mooted to be November, wasn't it? So... Um, we'll see if that comes around next month or not. Um, Greg, out walks his way. Well, sorry, have you got have you got an update on that? No, we're not far away from that. So um, oh, there's yeah. only another endure of such, so to speak. Yeah, it's not too long, but yeah, hopefully Jack can come back. I'm always thinking with Jack that you know I'm not, I can't count on him at the moment to be the the steady presence at the back until you know he comes in, plays a bit, and looks fit because. It's, it's always a horrible injury, isn't it? That Jack has to come back from. And, you know, he keeps defying the odds time after time. And that's, you know, credit to Jack, really. But, you know, hopefully he can do it again. But, you know, can't count our chickens on him. Uh, of course not. You can't just throw somebody back in the mould and expect them to be the best things in sliced bread. It's like any player, once they've been out that long, they need a chance to get match time. And he'll probably will with the reserves and just get eased back in. But, you know, he's the standout talent at the back. Um, when he's fit and ready, then, uh, you know, happy days. But for the time being, um, when Hawkins is back as well, Raggett's looking good. And, you know, potentially is that um, opportunity to play there with Burgess. You have to play the safe option at the end of the day, which works best for the team. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I thought that Raggett's looked like he struggles on the ball and his positioning's been a little bit bad as well. You could say, you could argue that, he needs a run in the team and, you know, get settled in a little bit. Um, hopefully he goes on and improves. He's certainly very strong. Um, and I think we just he just needs to calm it down a bit, you know, take a little bit of the the temper, the bite out of out of his game. And I know that's sometimes difficult for, you know, a defender who uses that aggression, but a little bit less of that and a bit you know, a bit calmer. I think he'd be all right. Um, Greg messaged in. Greg Cheers again, as always, that walks this way. He goes, give Raggett a chance. A lot of people are insulting him are the same ones that now love Cannon, Hawkins and Burge. That's a fair point. Yeah. Again, you know, the fans pay... <coughs> Excuse me. The fans play. The fans pay the, the players' wages at the end of the day, so they have every right to say what they want to say. Um, but it's one of them at the end of the day. You do get people that will jump on somebody's back and then the next week they're their biggest fan. So, you know, I wouldn't want to insult anybody and say, you know, that's what people do. But, you know, it can happen. There's there's a lot of faculty in any football club um, in this day and age and there always has been. Um, you can look at any club and similarly suggest the same thing. But, you know, as as the person who um, texted in there or tweeted him, whatever he's doing there, um, he's he's right in saying that the player deserves the opportunity. 
anyone deserves an opportunity at a football club. And if they show the um, the passion that they want to play and they're showing the ability and training that they want to play, then they deserve that chance as long as they're the best fit for the team and going forward to get the right results. <laughs> Adam Dark messaged in. I like this, mate. Um, cheers again for messaging Adam. He's messaging quite, uh, quite a lot. Um, <laughs> he, just, he just put a, uh, a gif of a guy spinning a wheel. He says, spin. So whoever, basically, who knows? Um, Pedro Juan <laughs> messaged in. Anyone over six foot? Question mark. Marquise? I'm sure Peter Crouch retirement's <laughs> back for a game. <laughs> Let's get him on. Let's get on his podcast and ask him. Um, and then Ken Stall messaged in going, me. It's got to be my turn now, right? Um, I, know, <laughs> I know we've used a lot more centre-back partnerships. I think it was six or something. I can't remember the actual facts. I'm sure someone picked me up on that um, this season. And there was obviously more going on. So that's more so far this season than we did all of last season. But obviously you had a few more settled players there at the back with Matt Clark, um, a shoe-in uh, for the team as such. Um, all right. I think, we've, I think we sort of covered that. Do you want to just touch on the Ronan Curtis tweet? Um, I think that good old Ronan, he's a hothead. We saw him come off the field and I was watching him walk down the tunnel. Well, not down the tunnel, sorry, to the, to the bench. He had his bib in his hand. He threw it on the floor. He stamped on it. He waved his arms in the air. People tried to calm him down, give that tap on the shoulder, and he was not having any of it. You know, you're just too pissed off. You don't you don't want to calm down. We've all been there. We've all been yeah, there. Yeah. When I've dropped oh. my phone on a rail track and can't get it or whatever. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, anything like that it's enough just to it's emotion isn't it it's emotion and sometimes you have to detach emotionally and not get too caught up but when it's a game like football you know I've been there and done it when I've played for teams it's it's common stuff me being like that I can say that you can't control your emotion in that situation and you wish you could control it better so I can appreciate that Obviously, he wants to play. He wants to prove something to everybody. He wants to prove, obviously, since his call-up that, you know, he's the right choice. And it's always sad when you think that you're doing well and you get subbed. Uh, maybe he felt he could contribute to the game a little bit more. But, you know, you can understand his frustrations getting taken off. Um, but who knows what goes on inside his head? I don't. You don't. Nobody does. No, not at all. And... um I think it was good that he deleted that tweet, wasn't it? He put on Twitter afterwards, you know, asking where was the the 12th man would have helped basically because yeah, obviously the atmosphere hasn't been great as well, you know, in the stadium and he was making a lot of mistakes and that was agitating the fans. But at the end of the day, you know, I remember when Burgess was under a bit of criticism last season and he dealt with it like an absolute gentleman. And that's, you know, part of parcel of being a fan's favorite, isn't it? No matter how you're playing as such. And, you know, sometimes you've just got to learn those things, haven't you, to bite your lip? Of course. I think that shows two different personalities, though. Two different people, two different players. Um, as you said there, Burgess being a gentleman, that's just his character. Curtis as well. You know, he's hungry. He's hungry. He's hungry to succeed. He wants to succeed. I can understand that when somebody really wants to succeed at something, they will do it or they will try their best. But... I thought the tweet was a little bit uncalled for, really, because there's one thing you do and one thing you never do. You never turn on your own fans. You know, he's not swearing at them or saying anything derogatory, 
But it's a little bit gutting, really, when people give up their afternoons to go down there and support their team, no matter what the results are. Yes, you get minorities that, you know, aren't happy with things and, you know, can be cavemen fans where they just say out, out, out about everything and they're not analysing anything correctly. They're just going with the flow. Um, Almost the sheep mentality. But, you know, the threat and faithful at the end of the day, there's a majority, probably 99.9% who are an absolute fantastic credit to the club, a great asset, no matter where you go to watch a football team play, whoever it is. I've been to some fantastic stadiums over the years. Fratton Park for me is always the best atmosphere. I never forget covering, um, I, I can't remember who it was against. I still try and pick my brain now um, who it was against, but Orford's first game in, char- in charge and I covered that game there for the news um, and it was just a fantastic wall of noise and you know touching on what Ronan Curtis tweeted there about saying where's the 12th man um, yeah it's just uncalled for and again Hugh it goes down to social media now playing a part in um, player power and I think that causes a lot of friction within football clubs within the fan community back in the day you know, I'm not old. I'm making it sound like I'm 50 or 60. I'm only 26. But back in the day, when I was in, like, um, before my teens, we could say, I'd go and knock my mate's door and just say about the game. I'd never text him or read what anybody else is saying. You, it'd only be within your circle. Sure. Um, so social media has a massive part to play in creating problems and things being taken out of proportion. But he should never have tweeted that. And I'm sure he's learned from that mistake and won't do it again. Yeah, yeah, completely. Um, I think it was just giving him a little bit of a break will actually help just Ronan just to get the spotlight off him a little bit, calm down and, and regroup himself and come back. Um, yeah, so let's go into this Doncaster game because Doncaster are a team that before the start of the season, we did some previews and they lost, I think it was eight of their first starting 11 or something along those lines. They looked like a team that, you know, could struggle with a huge, to a huge turnover but they're actually looking pretty decent at the moment. Ninth for the league. Um, what's really stuck stuck out for me about Donny is that they've um, they've only scored twelve goals, but they've only conceded eight. So they're a very tight team to play against. Unlike yeah. I don't know one of the free scoring teams. If you look at Oxford, for instance, underneath them, they scored twenty two goals, but conceded fifteen goals. And the system they play is a four two three one. Uh, a bit like the sort of traditional system that we play. It's They've got some good players in their team that I particularly like, for instance. Um, Kieran Sadler, good player. Um, you could say he's the on-form version of Ronan Curtis. A lot of a different player. Came from Cork City. He's got three goals so far this season, and he scored an absolute beaut against Peterborough, who I think he actually went out on, um, he actually played for for a little bit. It didn't work out when he was a very uh, young kid, and... Um, I think it, for him it was a, a big goal to score, and he sort of he's a quick winger. He he can play up front if you need him to. Um, he 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 just has a lot of pace, but also he knows he's got an eye for for finishing, and and he's a real dangerous player. And um, so much so that Pompey were heavily linked with him. I don't know if you remember this at all. Um, in the summer, um, we spoke to uh, one of the guys down there from um, from the Cork uh, one of the Cork papers. God, I've had this in my head. But um, yeah, you can go back and listen to the episode because he actually gave a um, yeah a complete review of what kind of player he's like if you're interested in that sort of thing. Um, but 
yeah, Kieran Sadler, very dangerous guy. So one of my players to watch for the game. Obviously, James Coppinger, he doesn't seem to ever age, does he? Um, he's also got three goals to assist this season in all competitions. Dangerous guy. Um, and then they've got um, Whiteman as well, who's playing in that holding midfield role. He's got two goals so far this season. Um, and he got one the other day against Coventry in a 1-1 draw away at Coventry. Again, a very good team. He's a good, you know, that's a good result. And before that, they beat Peterborough 2-0 at home. I think this is going to be a very difficult game for Pompey to play. What are your thoughts on it? And do you think Pompey can go and get a result against Doncaster? I'm just having a look at the table now, Hugh. And um, looking at Doncaster, they've got the best defensive um, record in the league. They've only conceded um, eight goals. Uh, one less than Rotherham and Burton, who have let in nine. Um, so it will be tough to break them down. They've got a strong back four there. Um, and looking at you know the amount of games they've won and drawn, it's an equal balance of four apiece there. They've only lost one game. Um, so, yeah, they're the team in form, really. And it'll, it'll be a good test for Pompey. It'll be a good test because, you know, come away with a draw, it's better than losing. Come away with a win, it's a fantastic result. And, you know, they've looked solid at times. They really have um, with some of the results there. Um, it's just building on that Bolton game, really, and not getting too downhearted about, you know, what could potentially happen. I think we have to assess that game, looking at it, going into it. Um, without thinking what could be and watching the game unfold and hope for the best result. It's, um, again, as I say, a good test, but, you know, you, you can't think, oh, yeah, it's a potential slip-up for Pompey or another game against a tough team which could end in a defeat. You have to be a bit more optimistic than that as a football fan. And, you know, away games are always tough. You're away from Fratton Park, you're away from 20,000 fans. But the 300-400, many the allocation will be at that team, um, at that stadium there. It will be, you know, still one of the best atmospheres in the country. Um, but, yeah, it'll be good to see if Pompey, you know, as I say, with the, the only eight goals Doncaster have conceded, it'd be great if Pompey put four past them just to shut all the naysayers up. Yeah, it definitely would be good. I can't see us getting four past them, considering how many goals they've conceded so far. That's, that's a... Yeah, it's a 50% increase. You know what I'm like with my with my stats. Of course, everything of course everything definitely could um could happen. I was just gonna look it up on my on the thing because I should have um I should have known this off the top of my head. Yeah, sorry. So that episode was with um Rebel Radio's Kevin Galvin, who also um is the lead journalist for the Cork Echo. So yeah, nice lad as well. Um Kieran Salia, player to watch. They all play a very compact compact sort of style of football but they do have those players that can stretch us and I'm a little bit concerned that they'll get in behind us effectively um, on the counter-attack and you know they'll, they'll be able to score goals that way so it's going to be quite important I think that the back line play as a unit and you know try and bounce off that that nil-nil that they had a, sorry that clean sheet they had in the last game and try and get some momentum yeah, of course. Um, you know, it, it's one of them. You can't think too much into it until the game begins, as I say, and when, once the game's unfolding. Um, Doncaster looked the strongest of the two sides, um, looking at the stats on paper, as we've mentioned. But anything can happen on the day, anything. And, you know, being a realist as well, um, it's a good opportunity for Pompey to go out there and, you know, show what they're made of because there has to be a point in this season before Christmas where Pompey just explode in a positive way 
that you know they can say, look, this is going to spur us on now. We need to keep this winning mentality up. I'll never forget when David James was at the club, he said he wasn't going to shave. I think it was David James um, who said he was never going to shave his beard till Pompey won. Um, <laughs> eventually, um, that happened and, you know, he shaved it off. So, you know, it's having characters like that at the club, which uh, bring the fans closer to the club as well and the players. Um, but similarly as well, just getting those right results. Um, you know, it's a good chance because Pompey shouldn't be down in 19th, should they, Hugh? When we think of Pompey, Pompey should be right up there challenging again, like last season. There's no way Pompey should be in 19th. But from what we've seen, um, only after a few games, then rightfully so. But it's a good chance for them to show, look, we're better than Doncaster. We're going to go there and win. And then we're going to go into the next game and win. Then the next game and win. It's just getting that right mentality, I think, really. Yeah, completely. I'm, I hope you're right. I think I, I like the positivity. I think it's, it's refreshing, Sam. But at the same yeah. time, at the same time, I, I do I do think that trending-wise, we, we haven't been on a, an upward trend um, maybe a result against a, a good team like Doncaster will help. But the style of football they play, so they play a lot of three balls. Um, they take a lot of shots from from distance if needed, but they'll try and slot players in um, and play off that striker of Ennis up front and um, bring in a lot of attacking wingers. Um, I think if we had played against Doncaster at the weekend instead of Bolton, it would have been a very different game anyway. So... Okay, what we're going to do is we'll just run the podcast off by getting some predictions in because they're a good team. I like Donny, but, you know, Pompey have got the ability to do it. And if, if Jacket can choose the right team and if the players can pull their socks up together and really get out Donny, we've got a chance of getting a result. Sam, what are your feelings? What's, what's your score prediction for the game? I'm not one to predict scores, if I'm honest, Hugh. Um, just because I don't like to jinx the team. Um you know, as I say, I'd like, um, you know, the right result to come to fruition. I'm just looking at the Pompey stats now. 10 goals scored, 10 goals conceded. You've got Doncaster with 12 and 8. Um, I go for a one-all draw, personally. 1-1. One, one. And who do, you think, who do you think is going to get the Pompey goal? Well, people listening to this will say, well, he's been talking all about Brett Pittman. He must be the biggest Brett Pittman fan out there. Brett Pittman will get the goal. <laughs> do, you, do you reckon Brett's going to get... Is, do you reckon it's going to be an equaliser or, or do you reckon it will go ahead against Donny? I think Pompey will go behind. We've seen it happen many a times this season and then come back. It's that typical second-half syndrome, really, that we've seen with Pompey. Um, you know, I think Doncaster will go ahead. They've got the home advantage. They'll get that goal, get a little bit cocky and, you know, get a bit complacent and then... Super Brett will come forward and shut them up. I like it, and I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I mean, I've, I'm usually quite a positive person, mate. But when it comes to Doncaster, Adoni, um, as I said, Coppinger uh, and Salia, I see, can see them both getting a goal. I can see us being shut out against them, and I'm gonna go for a Doncaster two 0 win. Okay. Yep. Cheerful way eh, over here. Yeah, come on. You need to get a bit of shant in you or something like that. Cheer yourself up because, you know, as I say, I get sick and tired of logging into Facebook every morning and Twitter and just seeing all the doom and gloom. 
I'm not a doom and gloom person. I'm a positive person and people could, you know, potentially look in that way, but I'm not fussed about other people's opinions at the end of the day. I, I do what I do. And, you know, positivity is an important part of everybody's lives. It improves your life in many ways, shapes or form. Positive mental attitude is one of my PE teachers used to always say. Um, but, you know, Doncaster are tough place to go but they're not a big club like Pompey at the end of the day and you know yes that doesn't win your games being a big club but Pompey just need to keep on going build the momentum of the Bolton win you know learn from their mistakes as you say there with the Bolton game of potentially going behind because if that was Doncaster then it would have been a different story but I think Pompey just need to you know work harder try harder everyone needs to keep their heads up Curtis should potentially be on the bench for the next game and then be eased into that um, and yeah, just be a bit more positive about it. I understand people get frustrated and they get stuck in their ways, but everyone just needs to get behind the club and, you know, keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing. That's the most important thing and all you can ask. As long as everyone plays their hearts out, that's the most important thing. When players look like they can't be bothered, that's another story. Well, <coughs> I hope the players do manage to um, show they're interested. Uh, and if not, I think there's going to be more fan um, worries than there are now. So let's see if they can turn it around. And I think Kenny Jacket, you know, needs to turn it around or it's going to get more negative. So let's hope you're right, Sam. Let's get some positivity going. Um, and until yeah. next time. Yeah. Cheers for being on the show, mate. Um, oh, pleasure. Good to um, obviously discuss things. And I appreciate um, yourself and Adam having me on the show. It's good to um, be back in the spin of things and discuss things all Pompey. Alright, cheers Sam. Uh, until next time people, that Pompey. You have been listening to the PO Forecast for Pompey News Now. Available on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO Forecast and Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle! <laughs>